Welcome to the Small Business Tax Savings Podcast, your weekly dose of accounting and tax tips specific to small business owners. You will be on your way to growing your business and paying the least amount in taxes as legally possible. Here's your host, Mike Jezoshek, CPA. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode. Today, we have a special guest on. We have Stuart Sorkin, who is the managing member at Business and Legal Advisors. And this is going to be a two-part series. We're doing a series on business exits and what that means. And I feel like this is so important because we've been seeing it a lot in our clients and our members, and uh, it's been happening a lot, especially in this era where we are today. So I wanted to do a little bit of series on it just to give people this idea of, you know, what does a business exit look like? What are we things we want to be thinking about? And Stuart Sorkin, this is exactly what he does. So Stuart, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Glad to be with all of you today. Let's start with a very simple concept. Every owner will exit his business in one of six ways and only one of six ways. He will sell it to family. He will sell it to management. He will sell it to a third party. He becomes an absentee owner. It gets liquidated or he dies. And if he does not choose one of the first four, the last two will happen. Yeah, leads to the second preface that I tell clients is, Exit strategy begins the day you start your business, because if you don't know where you're going, how are you going to get there? So to start that process, I believe that there there are two major areas that have to be looked at. First, what are the personal goals of the owner or owners? Have they met with a financial planner to get to run their to get their Monte Carlo number to know what they can what they need from the business to successfully retire? Do they have issues of family in the business, family outside the business they have to consider? Are there work life balance goals that aren't being met in the business today? And getting the partner, each partner, to really understand what it is he wants over the next three, five, 10, whatever that quote exit period is. He need, we need to work towards that. But then the secondary issue is once, if you have partners and my comment about partnership is partnership is like marriage without sex. The only thing that brought you together was create a progeny called the business. The only thing you're going to fight about are money and control. That is why your buy, sell, or operating agreement is your business prenup. Needs to be done early on in the business because the longer you wait, the more likely someone's ox is going to get a cord and you're not going to be able to agree. So having partners. But the real issue is that we need to make sure that the partner's goals are now aligned. Because if one partner is seeing the business more as a lifestyle current income business, and the other partner, if sees it as something he wants to sell in five years, they're not necessarily making the same business decisions. So we have to get to commonality of the goals. So the first commonality is, if there's going to be an exit in some period of time, do we agree on what the number that we're looking for based on what each of you have shown, each of the founders have shown to me as the number you need out of the business? So what do we need to get out of that? Where are we? Are we positive where we can do tax planning, legacy planning, charitable? Are you negative? If you're not there, how are you going to get there? Can you do it through internal growth? Do you have to become a strategic acquirer? 
if you're going to become a strategic acquirer, do you know what you need to acquire? Because acquisition for the sake of acquisition doesn't grow the business necessarily. Are you acquiring market share? Are you acquiring an employee? Are you acquiring technology? What is it that, that you need for that growth piece? Have you built your own due diligence library? Because the bank is sure as heck going to want to see something if they're going to lend you the money to buy an acquisition. Have you built your own due diligence checklist so if you are going to buy someone, you can integrate them successfully and you've figured out your integration strategy as part of your due diligence process when you acquire. What can you afford to acquire based on where you're at? My process is that I have partners fill out a questionnaire that I give them separately and we play a game of Texas Hold'em. Tell me the strengths of the business. Tell me the weaknesses of the business. Tell me what your strengths are. Tell me what your weaknesses are. Tell me what you like. Tell me what you hate doing. Tell me what you're doing when you're not working. Talk to me a little bit about how you communicate with these guys. Now, five years from now, tell me about this business. What's your role in it? What are you doing when you're not working? With the idea of building some consensus around what the five-year plan is. Then you can create measurable milestones to see if you're getting there or not, or how to get there. So you're looking at that piece. You've also now gotten two pieces of key information from this question. You're also, one, where are the strengths and weaknesses in the management team now? And two, I would say that for most business owners, you will probably control from their cold, bad hands. And based upon that, though, I have asked a question. I've asked them, what do they hate doing? And how much time are they spending doing it? So now I can say to Mr. Business Owner, you tell me you don't like doing this, but you don't like delegation. You want to try something different? Because the best way to sell or own a business is as an absentee owner. Because that's the one thing that's going to be different when you leave. You're not there. So if the business can run successfully without you, then you are setting up a situation that you are far more marketable. Yeah, I think that's incredible. And, and one thing I just want to kind of go back on some of the first things you said, strategic plan. This is a, we, we did an episode on this uh, a couple of weeks ago. And I think that this is a key thing. And part of that strategic planning, we said, you know, you should be looking at your perfect scenario. That could be 10, 15 years out there and saying, what does that perfect scenario look like? Where do you want to be? You as the business owner, what are you doing? That could be a sale. That could be, you know, growing business, whatever it is. But I think that that's a key part that so many people don't even think about. They get into running a business and they're in that day to day and they don't take the time to just sit back and look at that future. And what does that bring us? Well, our new technology has brought us many things. But what it also is, it brought us is the thoughts of instantaneous gratification and that planning, things change, so I don't need to plan. And I think that that's not necessarily always true. You have plans and you adjust your plan. Mm-hmm. You make no plans. How are you going to work on? Yeah. And that's what we kind of looked at this idea of saying, okay, that the perfect scenario might be 10, 15 years from now. But then let's start to, to, to backtrack. So we know what that is. Now let's come back to today and what can be done today. And 
sure, your your route might change, and it's not just going to be a straight line to that perfect scenario. There's going to be winds and curves and turns, but that's okay. The thing is, is if you take those winds and curves and turns without having that destination, or at least some kind of destination, you're on a track, and, and you have no idea where that track is going. Right. And I've had situations, as an example, I had one client who finally ran the numbers, and he was positive to the tune of a million dollars. And he said, you know, I can sell to my management team. I prefer that and take less money because I know that's a number I can live comfortably on. So it can also shift your perspective. Yeah. Well, planning. And that's also really true if you've got family in the business or you have a management team that you've been building and how have you the other issue that I think is a big issue that people don't plan for is not only the planned exit, but the unplanned exit. What happened to your business if you get hit by a bus? Mm-hmm. What did you do? What have you done to make sure that there is some value preservation of the business if, God forbid, you get hit by a bus? And don't tell me that your family's going to walk in the day after the funeral and run the business. That's not going to happen. Whether you develop a management team currently or not, at some point, you need to find a key employee that you trust can at least run the business in an interim step until your family can come in or get it ready for sale and tie that person in with some kind of stay bonds where you say, if I have a planned or unplanned exit, if you stay at least 12 months after that, I will pay you a bonus of, let's say, 50% of your W-2 income, or I'll give you a percentage, I'll give you some percentage commission on the sale of the business, if that's where, where it's going, if it's not staying in the family. Someone needs to walk in the day after the funeral and be able to act like Alexander Haig did and say, I'm in charge to give, because otherwise it's Katie bar the door when they make, when a founder in today's society, a founder dying brings a lot of insecurity. Given in most businesses, your most valuable asset is your employees. You want to make sure that you try to make sure that you don't lose those key employees of God forbid of an unplanned, but it also gives the ability of dealing with the planned exit at the same time. Yeah. I'm here because you want to be able to tie in to make sure that your key employees will stay with the employer and will not obstruct the sale. And so the sooner that you go and handcuff those employees and align their goals with yours with regard to an eventual sale, whether it's to them, to a third party or wherever, you are adding value to the business if you can deliver an intact management. So that's another thing to look at. Other things that depending on the business, you know, are you a mile wide inch deep? It's going to make it very hard for someone to buy you if you have if you have 15 expertises that you're trying to sell. If you've got 15, they're not all having the same profit margin. Are you concentrating your revenues, your your expenses and income in the areas that are going to bring you the highest profitability. Are you too dependent on one or two customers, which is going to hurt? If you're doing government work, do you have preferences? Are you a woman-owned business that 
has preferences that may not be able to be passed to the acquirer. So you look at those kinds of things as well. And here's another point I'm going to make to you. No matter what your plans are with regard to sale of your business, you will sell it when someone wants to buy it, which means in some ways you always have to be ready for sale because you don't know that person is going to come in. And this is why it's important. Once you are at all at that level to build your due diligence library currently and then update it periodically because more deals fall apart between letters of intent and definitive documents because of failures in due diligence. Mm-hmm. Actually, in the section on M&A transactions, we'll talk a little bit more about some war stories on that, on what has happened there. Yeah, I think that's gold, uh, that idea of you always have to be ready for, for a sale of business. And one thing that you mentioned at the beginning is this idea of like, when do you start exit planning? It's when you start your business. And, and I think that's very unconventional to what people would ever be thinking. You know, no one starts a law firm and says, I'm going to start this law firm for, a, a, and I'm thinking about exit on day one. But I think the concept that you're saying is not necessarily, you know, we're not connecting you with an M&A attorney on day one, but what we're doing is setting up that business for success and, and kind of going back to that idea of your business should be ready for sale at any point in time, or at least have that the pre prepared for a potential sale at any point in time. And so that's right. what you know, you're saying is, let's set this business up from day one so you have those systems, those processes, those documents in place that when that opportunity comes arise, whether it's a year from now or 30 years from now, we are still, we have that foundation set. And the, the other point is that if you are throwing people together, if you are throwing people together at this point, you want to make sure that they do have a common goal. So if you have a startup, the idea of both of you saying, okay, this questionnaire to avoid the saying, what, what are the strengths and weaknesses that we bring to this business? What are the strengths and weaknesses we need to engage? Where do we want this business five years? That's still important, even with a startup. What are you trying to, you know, obviously most, a lot of people say, well, I want the next Google, et cetera, but let's talk realistically. What is a kit? What is a reasonable set of goals for the business and that factor in both your personal and business side quality of life got to be factored in finances got to be factored in. And I just want to wrap up this episode with, with one idea. And, and next week, we're going to be talking about what the M&A process looks like. So we're going to dive into that. But I want to wrap up with, with one other key point that I think you brought up. And it's this idea of an absentee owner. So many business owners, when they get started, they, they're, they're doing everything. They're wearing a lot of hats. They don't have the funds to bring in staff members. And that ultimately leads to an owner, if you're, if you're not aware of it, an owner that is stuck deep inside their business. And this happened to me when I first started my company. And throughout the years, I've realized that the damage that that can do on me as an owner, it, it limits what we can do and different things in that sort. And so my goal has always been, okay, how can we continue to feel comfortable with delegation to create that separation from me on the day-to-day business. It doesn't mean that I can't be part of the business, but it's creating that separation. So again, we're thinking of the idea of, hey, I get hit by a bus tomorrow. Does this company survive? And if the answer to that is no, what needs to be done today and over the course of the next year and the year after that to help make that process smoother? Now, obviously, 
if the owner gets hit by a bus, it's going to be crazy no matter what. But how do we smooth that situation out? And of course, the hit by the bus scenario is probably less likely than an owner or somebody coming in that has interest in the business says, I want this business now, or you want an exit now. And what does that mean? Yeah, you you all of a sudden get diagnosed with a health issue. Mm -hmm. You know, that does happen. I always tell clients, business is like a three-legged stool. There's the accounting and finance, there's the sales and marketing, there's the product delivery. All entrepreneurs start by doing all three. The successful ones figure out what they don't like doing or what they're not good at, and they either bring in a partner or a golden handcuff of key employee to handle. Mm-hmm. And that's when you have family transitions, that probably one of the toughest issues is to have dad figure out what Sonny's weaknesses are it compared to him to make sure those weaknesses are filled when the business is sold. Yeah. The whole point is that if you don't have a plan for growth, then you have no way of dealing with the issues of how you're going to high and top key employees, where you're going. You have to have that plan to make, to have people believe. Because if you want your employees to take golden handcuffs, which means they're going to participate in some form on the sales side, so they're aligned with your goals, they better believe that you can accomplish it. Mm-hmm. Well, that has been super helpful. And, and we're going to have a blog post that kind of accompanies what we've been talking about today. So, Stuart, thanks again for joining us. And, and for all of our listeners, uh, we're going to be continuing this uh, discussion next week where we talk about what does the M&A process look like and kind of dive a little bit deeper into that because I think there's some confusion there. So again, Stuart Sorkin, Managing Member at Business and Legal Advisors. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Thank you for your time today. And I really enjoyed it. I hope um, if anyone has questions, they feel free to contact me. Yep. And we'll have all of Stuart's information on the blog post as well as in the show notes. Should you want to reach out to him, if you're thinking about this exit stage or in that process, you definitely reach out to Stuart. This has been another episode of the Small Business Tax Savings Podcast. If you enjoy our weekly episodes, please leave a review and share with other business owners. You can find previous episodes and more information at www.taxsavingspodcast.com. Thanks for listening and have a great day.